Our New Testament reading again comes from Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil, having all done to all stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. God's word for God's people, and God's people said amen. amen. You may be seated. Uh, for the time that we're going to spend, I want to talk a little bit about useful armor. Useful armor. I uh, say it often and I'll say it again. I love technology. I am always keeping up with the latest and greatest gadgets. Even if I can't purchase them at this time, I, I, I watch them. I want to watch videos on them. If somebody has it, I want to sample it for a while, see how it works. I even want to know how it is built. Uh, when I was interviewing for my current job, I knew that I was having a good interview because the interview went off course. You know, when you're in an interview, you get the standard questions, tell me about your qualifications, your education, your experience, blah, 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 blah. Well, we got to talking about gadgets and the vice president of the company who was interviewing me had a big smile on his face and started telling me about Make Magazine. Make Magazine is a successor to Popular Mechanics. It's a magazine in which they show you the latest and greatest gadgets, and then they show you how to build the gadgets yourself. Tell you everything you need, tell you how much it costs, tell you about how long it's going to take to build it, and this is a monthly magazine that comes out, and I had not heard about it, but our interview got off track because we got to talking about all the gadgets and different things you could build, 3D printers and rockets and drones and everything else it's in this magazine needless to say I got the job because it was a company that likes gadgets a company that works with gadgets and everybody there that works there likes to talk about gadgets so it kind of worked out and I think about this passage I think about gadgets rather when I think about this passage because the apostle Paul is talking about gadgets 
Now, he's not talking about iPads and Apple Watches or, or you know, 3D printers, but he is talking about technology. Uh, the Romans were able to advance their kingdom so far because they utilized technology. We talked about the cross, but the cross came about because the Romans had perfected torture. We talk about the Romans being able to last as long as they were. They were able to effectively, effectively come up with sewage systems and a whole bunch of technology that they advanced themselves. And because they were able to advance themselves with technology, they were able to take over a lot of places. And not only were they able to take over a lot of places using regular technology, they were able to take over a lot of places using military technology. So the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to this church in Ephesus in the, his letter to the Ephesians, he's able to use this imagery because these people might have seen a Roman soldier or two. They might be familiar with Roman soldiers and what they wear, what they carry around and how they fight. And so he talks about this Roman technology this useful armor because it works and it had been working for a very long time. But before he can talk about the technology, he has to get the people in the right mindset because if you don't have the right mindset when you handle technology, it's not going to work right. You might break it or you might just not know how to use it. So Paul encourages the people of God in the first part of the message is exhortation. Let the church say exhortation. It's, it's an encouragement. Paul is encouraging the people of God. He tells them to be strong and stand firm. Paul is encouraging the people of God because they've been beaten down, not only externally, but internally. You see, though, during these times, this was not a time where uh, people who believed in Jesus Christ were in the majority. We can often read the text and we can run into a whole bunch of people we know that are Christian and we could think in the text during the Bible times that everybody there was Christians, but it wasn't the case. They were in the minority. They were getting beat down and in some places had to hide because they were being killed. Paul used to be the one killing them. So these new churches had been beaten down, not only externally with people that don't really appreciate what they have to offer or what they believe, but on, not only that, but internally. You have new people in the church coming together, some who were born in the faith and some who were not born in the faith, and that created problems, so they were beaten down. This is a new church, and they are going through some growing pain. So the Apostle Paul encourages them. He encourages them because they have gotten as far as they've gotten. But even though because they've gotten as far as they've gotten and they've gotten through one struggle, that doesn't mean that there won't be more struggles. Life is full of changes. Life is full of struggles. Life is full of challenges. And just because you are out of one does not mean you won't be going into another. I'm reminded of the adage where they say you are either going through a storm, coming out of a storm, or you're going into another storm. But because life is full of challenges, that doesn't mean we're supposed to give up. 
doesn't mean we're supposed to throw in the towel. Doesn't even mean we're supposed to have a bad attitude about it. That is life. Life is hard but fair. Sad but true. Sometimes you get the bear and sometimes the bear gets you. You just have to deal with it. We're not supposed to give up. We are to be strong. Stand firm. We are to be encouraged. And understand that everything will work out for our good. Even if we can't see the good in the situation now. Paul is going to give us some gadgets to encourage ourselves. But he wants to make sure we can handle it. That's why we have to stand strong. That's how we have to be, in, uh, be stand firm and be encouraged. So that we will have the right mentality to handle this technology. Uh, something that is lost in translation when we go from Greek to English that I, I, I want to make a note of is the, the, the grammatical tense or, or, or the congregation of the verb. You see, you can't tell in the text but when he's telling the people to be strong and stand firm, it's not singular. He's not talking to one person. He is talking to the group. So the church is supposed to be strong together. The church is supposed to stand firm together. The church is supposed to be encouraged together. We, the church, are not a bunch of collective armies of one, but we are one army. In order for technology to work, it has to work together. If you open up a piece of technology and you remove one part from the whole, if I were to open up this microphone and pull out one little small resistor that's smaller than my thumbnail. It's one part. There's still another bunch of parts in this microphone, but if I pull out that one part, the microphone won't work anymore. Uh, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. We have to be strong together. And so he tells us to be strong and stand firm together. And then he tells us to pray always. We pray for ourselves, we pray for others, and then he says to pray for Paul. So we pray for ourselves and we pray for others and we pray for our leadership. In the model prayer, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, give us this day our daily bread. If we are supposed to get something daily, that would imply to me that we're supposed to get it daily. We're supposed to ask for it daily. We don't just pray one time and it's good. I'm good for the month. No, we are to pray without ceasing, continually, always pray. And then he says we have to pray for others. We cannot be good Christians in isolation. We cannot be good Christians outside of community. We can't leave everybody else out. We have to pray for others as well. We can't just say, well, I got mine. I don't know how you're going to get yours. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. 
let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. So if we pray just for ourselves, that's selfish. In order for us to have the right mentality to use this armor, we have to think about each other. Soldiers on the battlefield have to watch each other's back or else there won't be that many more soldiers on the battlefield. So we pray for ourselves, get our own minds right, and then we pray for others, and then we need to pray for our leadership. Both those we had a hand in making sure they were leaders and those we did not. We are to pray for those who are in authority over us. We can't say that's not my president. Right. We may not have had a, a, a decision in who our boss is, but we still ought to pray for him. We Methodists, so we don't really get to decide who our pastor gets to be, but we ought to pray for him. We ought to pray for those who are in authority for us because they need it. I've in my brief career had an opportunity to be in charge of a few things and it's always strange when you get to sit in the quote unquote big chair because even though you're the leader there are still things you have to deal with leaders need that prayer there are things as a leader that the leaders leaders bring down that have to stop at the leader to make sure that the people they lead are protected Your leader stands up for you. And sometimes you'll never know it. I recall my first job out of college having a supervisor who did just that. And I thought that the job was kind of tough with my supervisor being there, but when they decided that they didn't need a supervisor anymore and that they were going to uh, have the manager manage our department directly, it was a whole nother story. So sometimes you think it's bad with a leader, but you have no idea what it's like without one. So pray for your leaders. So we have this exhortation. We need to get in the right mindset. We need to pray. And then we need to understand our enemy. Let the church say enemy. The enemy is crafty and the enemy has cohorts. The enemy is crafty. It says in verse 11 to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. They're not dumb. The enemy knows what you like and will put that in front of you to make you stumble. Albeit some people might stumble a little more than others. But they put it there for you to stumble. They're not going to come at you with something you don't like in order to fall for it. They're crafty. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 8 to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary is is the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking who they may devour. 
Anybody ever watch National Geographic or any of these shows? There's something I've learned when I watch Lions Hunt. The roaring lion does not do the killing. The roaring lion lets out a big roar and it scares the other animals and they start running the opposite direction of the roaring lion right into the rest of the pride who was hiding, waiting for them to head that direction. The roaring lion is not always the one to be scared of. The roaring lion is trying to get you to stumble just like the enemy is. is trying to get you to stumble to go backwards into even more trouble. Crafty. And we have to be aware of that. There's a lot of times where people are saying things and doing things and they're roaring lions. They're not what you need to watch out for. What they're trying to get you to do is what you need to watch out for. Amen? So the enemy is crafty. And they have cohorts. Military intelligence or intel uh, refers to the connection, collection rather, analysis and distribution of information relevant to military operations. Every nation on earth uses military intelligence to make itself more secure and prepare for battle. When you are dealing with an enemy, it behooves you to know what the enemy is and what the enemy does. That's why when I look at some of the things that are going on in our country right now with people walking into churches and doing evil, people walking into movie theaters and doing evil, people fighting over a flag, I don't look at the person there. There is a spirit behind that. And that is what we ought to deal with because we wrestle not against fresh and blood. You spend all that time wrestling against the flesh and blood, you get caught up and distracted by the roaring lion. You speak to the spirit behind that situation. Because if you get rid of the flesh and blood behind that situation, guess what? There will be more flesh and blood later. You put a Dylan Roof in jail for shooting up a church, then six more churches get burned down. You can't just deal with the flesh and blood. You deal with the principalities and the powers in high places. That is the way to solve it. We have to understand the spirit behind the situation and not just the natural circumstances we see because the enemy is not here to play with us. This is not a tickle fight. This is not a slap box. This is not shadow boxing. This is real fighting. They came to give us death, hell, and the grave. We have to know our enemy and know how our enemy operates, and that's how we exploit them. They will be there trying to tempt us. But the Bible says for every temptation, there's a way of escape. So, so we have the exhortation in the text and we talk about the enemy in the text to get our mind right and understand who we're going against and then we go to the equipment. Let the church say equipment. The belt of truth. 
the ability to trust one another and communicate truthfully is essential both in the military and in the church. The ability to trust one another and communicate truthfully is essential in both the military and the church. They say the third time is a charm. The ability to trust one another and communicate truthfully is essential both in military and in churches. We have to be careful what we say to people. We have to be careful how we talk to people. We have to be able to communicate truthfully because if you don't communicate truthfully, you lose trust. And there is nothing like dealing with two people who don't trust each other. You gain trust by speaking the truth. My wife and I were watching a video the other, last night and uh, people were writing letters to their younger selves. And one of the people said to their younger self, dear younger self, always tell the truth. And sometimes that's hard because we will not tell the truth thinking we are sparing the person's feelings. But when the truth is found out, you will lose trust and hurt them even more. So the thing you was trying not to do is something you end up actually doing. And the truth comes out. No matter how hard we try to hide it. Sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. We speak the truth. And the more we speak the truth, the better we'll be able to trust. And the better we're able to trust, the more things that we'll get done together as a church. So we have that belt of truth. And then we have the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. We have to guard our hearts and heads. We have to control what we allow in them. Uh, something that I've learned in my studies is that during those biblical times, heart and head were interchangeable. So when they said in the Bible that Pharaoh was hard-hearted, they also meant he was hard-headed. We like to split it up and say the head is for our emotion, our logic and the heart is for our emotions, but they should be working one and the same together. Your heart and your head should be in it. And you should also protect your heart and head from what goes into it. If we are going to use the equipment right, that is what it is for, to protect ourselves. And then we have sandals or shod feet. means to cover your feet, the shod. That we use these to spread the good news. See, the Roman boot was designed for soldiers to keep pace with one another. Combat boots as well. They are made out of a material to protect your feet from the elements, but also make it so that you can continue to march with the soldiers. Combat boots 
are worn for combat and they are different than what you wear in a parade or a ceremony. They are made to withstand the elements of different items, uh, different environments rather, and not weigh the soldier down. Reason being is the soldiers needed to be able to stick together. A soldier in the army was no good outside of the rest of the soldiers. If a soldier wanted to go it alone, they would not be going alone for long. That was the way the Romans fought as a group. And we have to understand that we are, when we are spreading the gospel, we have to be able to adapt to different environments. Everywhere we go, they may not be compatible with us or care what we had to say. But we need to be able to adapt to different environments and understand if we need to get out of said environment, we don't let those things weigh us down. We take the good news of Jesus Christ with us and that will allow us to adapt. And then we have the shield of faith. And the shield of faith was a very, very important part of a Roman soldier's equipment. The shields that the Roman soldiers used were not the same kind of shields that other soldiers used. Other soldiers kept a shield that was probably about the size of half of their body, and they could swing it around on their arm. But Roman soldiers had full body length shields. And these shields were larger than normal shields so that when all the soldiers got together, they called it a phalanx. They would all come together and put their shields together, some in front, some on the sides, some on the top, and the shields would surround all of them. And the phalanx would move into battle with everybody holding shields tight together to protect them. And the funny thing about the phalanx is, is you had to rely on your fellow soldier to guard your back. You had to rely on another fellow soldier to guard your head. You had another fellow soldier guarding your sides. They all worked together. Because if one soldier decided to leave the phalanx, they wouldn't be protected anymore. And because people couldn't figure out how to get through the phalanx, that's why the Romans, one of the reasons the Romans won so many wars. Everybody had everybody else's back. And so what they would do to soldiers who had shields, because people have been fighting wars for a long time, and it says, that's why the text says the, the, uh, taking the shield, which would be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones, is if they saw you had a shield, they would light an arrow on fire and shoot it at your shield. And what would happen to most soldiers is they would panic and they would throw their shield down to try to put out the flaming arrow. And while they panicked and threw their shield down trying to put out the flaming arrow because they were worried about their shield coming on fire, they're wide open. <laughs> Throwing the shield down made you vulnerable to other attacks. And I like that's why they used the shield of faith. Because sometimes we can get in a situation and we can take some fiery darts from the enemy and that will cause us to throw down our faith. 
once again getting distracted from a small by a small problem to get caught up in a big problem later that causes even more damage. That is what the enemy is trying to get us to do. It's getting us to throw down our faith when times get tough so that we can get hit with even more attacks. When you lose faith, the circumstances seem like they can distract you and you run around trying to put out every fire, trying to fix everything yourself. But the Roman soldiers had a plan for that. The Roman soldiers began to soak their shields in water. And so they would soak their shields in water and when the fiery darts hit them, they got cooled off. And so, if the Roman soldiers can think to soak their shields in water to avoid the fiery darts, we can put our faith in the living water. A.K.A. Jesus Christ to keep our faith cool from the darts. Keep our faith cool from the insults. Keep our faith cool from the enemies so that when they hit us with these darts, they get, they get extinguished and fall to the ground and we keep our faith on us, no longer distracted by the enemy. We have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Someone that will never leave us nor forsake us. We keep our faith because Jesus has never let us down. Don't lose your faith. That's good technology right there. And so we have the shield of faith. And then we have the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. Grass withers. Flowers fade. But the word of God lasts forever. The reason we keep buying the Bible when other books fall by the wayside, it's truth. It guards our faith. There are things that happened last week that won't last. But we know 2,000 years ago, a man came down, born of a virgin, and was crucified, dead, and buried, and rose again on the third day for our sins. The word of God lasts forever. The word of God is sharp, can cut both ways. I often hear in seminary, uh, there are some texts out there that you don't preach. The text preaches you. So while you're trying to swing the sword around, you cut your own self. As Christians, we must hear sermons and read scripture and talk with other believers and meet regularly with other believers and sing praises and worship and pray to God. That is the only way we get more efficient with our technology. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I would bet you have the expectation that the people there know what they're doing. That the people there know something about what's going on. When you go to a restaurant, you expect the people in the restaurant to know what they're doing. You expect the waiter to be able to give you a recommendation on the food. 
you expect the chef to know how to cook. When you go to a retail store, you expect the people selling you the stuff to know something about what they are selling. I've seen something funny to me when I watch two people with the same kind of cell phone dealing with technology. And I've seen two people get the same kind of cell phone and one person be able to call on the cell phone and that's it. And the other person get the exact same cell phone. Call, text, check their voicemail, get the email, watch TV, book a flight, do everything else on it because they read the instructions. They're able to get more out of it because they read the instructions. We should be able to do the same thing as believers. We ought to be able to read our instructions. We as Christians ought to be able to know a little something about the Bible. We ought to be able to know a little something about Jesus. We can't wield the sword of faith if we don't know what is in the sword of faith. The Bible says that the book of law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe and do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. 2 Timothy 2.15 says to study to show thyself approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it goes on to say to shun profane and vain babblings, for they increase under more ungodliness. Goes on later on in chapter 3 to say that all scripture is given by inspiration to God and is profitable for doctrine, for the reproof and for correction and for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all thy good works. It says in Psalm 119, 105, that the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We ought to know the word. We ought to know the word if we're going to call ourselves believers and we can start somewhere read a chapter a day I have a problem and they always say that your misery is where your ministry is I have a problem with the number of people I've known that started off as Christians and converted to other religions because that other religion could tell them more about Christianity than they could I have a problem when an imam can quote more bible than a pastor and you may not be able to have to call the whole Bible from memory. That's, that's fine. But know what's in there. Know what's in there and know when the person that is using it is using it incorrectly. Know what's in there. And know whether or not the person that is up here talking is using it incorrectly. My son, forget not my laws. But let my heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart so thou shalt find favor and good understanding 
in the sight of both God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Get in the word. Get in the word. Learn the word. That way you'll learn about it. Talking about honor the Lord with thy substance. And the first fruits of all thine increases. For thy barns shall be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall overflow with new wines. And I like when they talk about that new wine. Because when I think about the new wine, I think about the blood. I think about the blood of Jesus. Who died on Calvary. For you and me. Born of a virgin. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Crucified, dead, and buried. And he died. Not no fake death. Not no... Not no high, not no, not there. There are people there that are preaching the gospel that don't believe Jesus died. I can't believe that. They believe that there was no blood. And then they believe that it wasn't an actual resurrection, but a spiritual resurrection. I don't want no spiritual resurrection because I want to be able to live eternally. I don't want to take the Bible and twist it up in a bunch of different ways. He died. And he rose again from the dead that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. The doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.